Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Dawn of X podcast, the podcast where we talk about the best books in the X-Men line. I'm your host, Nick, accompanied by the chill and breezy. And always wavy and always vibing. It's Josh, <laughs> motherfucker. What's up, buddy? It's been a minute for some of our Ooh. listeners. I look like a dragon right now, don't I? A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it has been. We uh, We meant to record last week. Several like days ago, a few days, a few days. It's been a couple of weeks. One of one of those weeks was like legit work. And the second week was you and I got on the computer. <laughs> we started chatting. Next thing you know, a couple hours went by and we we're like, well, I don't <laughs> I don't really have any more talking to me right now. So yeah. I guess we'll record later. And dear listener, this is later. <laughs> this is later. And more importantly, is National Power Ranger Day. Happy oh, Power Ranger now? Day, everyone. Is, is, that, is that what was happening on your Twitter today? I see. <laughs> Where you just saw a lot of vague tweets about... I just saw a lot of hashtag Power Ranger Day or something like that. <laughs> yeah, because you don't see me hashtag too often. <laughs> yeah, you're not a big hashtagging person. But for Power Rangers, I would do it is the 30th anniversary of Power Rangers. Damn. It's wild. <laughs> like 30th, like Power Rangers in America? Yeah. Sentai, oh, wow. Super Sentai, it is the 50. Okay. That makes no, sense. No, 46 year. That makes more sense. Okay. Yeah, 46 years of Sentai and uh so like the Mighty years. Morphin Power Rangers. Yeah, was 30 debut years ago. 30 years ago. Yeah. Good fucking God. Yeah. And it was my I, birthday a few days ago, too. That is, that's true. Happy belated birthday. I hope the listeners can hit you up on Twitter. Where let's go ahead and get that out of the way now. Where are they going to find you on Twitter to send you happy birthday wishes? You can find me at Madman three thousand five. All right, and for my All right, birthday, tune in next time. Oh wait, no, that's not. What no, that's more. <laughs> and for my birthday, what's up, man? My Did best you get anything homie cool? Got me two cool gifts. One was the Snyder cut on Blu-ray. Yeah, four K. I think it was four K and Blu-ray and digital edition. Yep. Um. Listen, dear listeners, you know how I feel about Zack Snyder, but my boy loves it. It's true. And HBO is pulling a lot of shit. I know they won't pull the Zack Snyder thing because he's a, a heterosexual white male, so it's safe. But, you it's know, true. It's true. just to be safe. Just, just to, to be, be safe. safe. And what else did that really cool friend of yours get you? He got me the Uncanny X-Men trading card gallery book by Jim yeah. Lee. Yeah. And it is pretty fucking is sweet it cool? and came with cards. Did it come with and cards? With, oh, shit. I didn't yeah. know that. Oh, yeah. It came with cards. And also the first page I just opened just randomly is very mm-hmm. fitting because it's the Hellfire Club. Oh, shit. That's right, baby. Right God, there. I have so many of those cards. I have a I have Spider-Man one. I know that I have somewhere yeah. in my room. I have a bunch of Spider-Man um 90s cards. Yeah. I actually think it was a pack that came out during the Clone Saga. Nice. <laughs> Nice. So either everyone hates it or really, really wants those cards. I have an entire, I forget which year it is now. I want to say it's 93, but it might be 94. The entire Marvel trading card, Flair, whatever company they were with at the time, mm. I have. That's the only one I have the complete set of. I'm so fucking close on like so many other ones. <laughs> but like Baby Josh could only finish that one. <laughs> <laughs> And um, it's not we, worth jack shit now. No, yeah, probably not. Which even better time to get it. And then one day it is worth something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. So today we'll be finally be covering X-Men Red 3, 4, and 5. And then Gambit number one. Yes, that's right. 
Chris Claremont's triumphant return to the X-Men so. <laughs> after many uh it hasn't really been that long. I think he just he did some new mutants thing not too long ago too, but yeah, he also just showed up possibly drunk on stage at some yeah. con. <laughs> So yeah. real quick, I don't remember. It's been a while since that happened. So I don't remember everything, but like, I don't we, we didn't talk about it because now I distinctly remember before we were going to record last time you were like, all right, we're going to talk about Claremont. And I'm like, well, today's the day I get canceled <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't been canceled. So we never talked about it. But yeah, it was uh, it was a lot that he talked about. God, he's such a fucking idiot. He really is. And I, I think. The, the highlight of all of it was talking about how he was going to make, if I remember correctly, he was going to make Kitty black later, not initially, initially black later and become the daughter of um, T'Challa and Storm, I think. I Something along the lines of, and then the story was going to end with her having to basically choose if she was going to stay black or go back to being a white woman. I, I, I vaguely remember that coming up. Like, what the yeah. fuck? Like, uh, here's what I don't understand. And in, and in so many ways, like, of course, it is parallel in, as far as time and as far as what they meant to me growing up. But, like, Chris Claremont has become the comic book version of fucking Morrissey. And it's insane. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a like, weird journey. <laughs> and it's one of those things where it's like, I want jack shit to do with present day Morrissey. Yeah. But if it was a song that Morrissey or the Smiths did basically before the like 1998, (laughs) I still fucking listen to it. I still have, I have a Smiths record framed in my fucking office. Like I can't, it, it, fucking and i know harry potter fans probably go through this all the time like i it's i hate having to fucking reconcile with the fact that chris claremont legitimately made the x-men what they are today including the metaphor for like like he he let storm be storm he let storm be an african woman like he did all these progressive things for the time like how did he go backwards from where he was? I've seen that a lot because a lot of my favorite writers and, and artists, like it seems like a weird progression of like when things progress too fast that they're not used to. Like, for example, recently William Shatner was talking about how Gene Roddenberry would be turning in his grave and how like Star, uh, Star Trek was never that political. And I'm like, what? I know. I saw that too. I'm like, Billy, you have what the, the first fuck are interracial you about? kiss on TV, on primetime TV? Like, that's pretty political for the, the 70s. The oh, Everything about that fucking show was political. From the cast onward. <laughs> like, it, it's, it's kind of wild. And now I'm, I found the comments that he made and just a lot of people talking about. First, he was late. It was very uncomfortable, the whole panel. There's a part where he complained about Thor, Love, and Thunder, saying Tessa Thompson should have uh should go back and make another men in black sorry persons in black like what the fuck uh i know i remember that now like chris is now pitching a krakoa book there's no explanation of what this pitch is 
complaining about young editors who were who were born after he was fired the second time. No one initiated this conversation. No one knows why he's talking about it. <laughs> so here's the thing. I don't doubt these reports, but are there like any, is there? Oh, I'm sure there's footage if I look at it. I just, yeah. this is the link I originally sent you yeah. that day. I just like, it, it <laughs> just baffles me that he's gone backward. Like, yeah, this motherfucker wrote God loves man kills. Yeah. Yeah. Which again, I understand that like by today's standards, Kitty Pride saying the N word all like oh, automatically yeah, disqualifies, automatically yeah. done, doesn't get published, isn't what it is. Yeah. Before it's time. Groundbreaking. It it was, you know what I mean? And I'm not trying to excuse the use of that word then either. It wasn't no. right then either, yeah. but like people didn't fucking care yeah. back then. It, it's weird because like it comes carrying is good. Before. Carrying is good. Yes. <laughs> I'm not saying people didn't care like that that was the preferred way either. Yeah. No, but like especially with combo creators, for me personally, like for example, Frank Miller. Frank Miller's insane. Like he's absolutely True. insane. But Frank Miller has Frank Miller hasn't like gone backwards progressively necessarily. Like sure, he just got more insane. He, exactly. He just yeah. went up. <laughs> he was always like semi flirty conservative, but then he, like around the two thousands, he was like hardcore conservative. And like, yeah, he he always flirted with Nazis. You know what I mean? Like yes, he, play, he played footsie. He he was he played footsie with fascism. Yeah, but it's kind of crazy because, like, when you read, for example, Dark Knight Returns and, like, you see that kind of writing and then let's say you read The Dark Knight Strikes Again, the sequel book, which is god-awful, you see patterns in his writing of, like, how all women are, in his eyes, like, whores and treacherous and all this stuff. And there's like, wait, how did we get here? And then, like, I don't know if you know about the book he wrote that DC wouldn't publish um, Holy Terror. I think it was called. I heard about it. The, the one about Muslims or whatever. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's incredibly offensive from beginning to end, like incredibly offensive. And like, I mean, it's crazy. What he did to Karen page. Yeah. <laughs> like, but again, the whole dare, we, we both read the same, the whole daredevil run basically when the season three came out and it's a fantastic story. But it then is. you have those moments like with Karen Page where it's like, yes. why are you portraying this woman like this? <laughs> like, like out of nowhere, she becomes a fucking drug addict whore. Yeah. Like, or porn star. I don't remember which one now, but. No, she was like flat out. Yeah. Like selling, literally selling Daredevil secrets for more drugs. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, like, it's kind of weird. And it, I, I don't know what happens. What as a, as a fan, how you separate the art. Because, like, I do that sometimes. There's definitely directors and writers and musicians that I don't care for personally. But I'm like, yeah, but that X book or X music or movie is still really good. Like, I can still enjoy the usual suspects, even though Brian Singer's a monster and so is Kevin Spacey. <laughs> that's like a, that, that's a great example of, like, that's a lot of dissociating you got to do. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, does it affect my experience a little bit? Yes, absolutely. But, like, yeah. it's still a great movie. Seven is still a great movie, even though Kevin Space is a monster. Like, <laughs> yeah, and and it works in that one because he's a monster. In that yeah, one. <laughs> that's, that's fair. So I, I don't know. It always becomes like actually right now. You mentioned Harry Potter. 
there's that whole big thing like we mentioned i mentioned to you privately before that like i'm not the biggest harry potter fan but i enjoy it casually do you, me, do you want me to edit that back out since that was a private <laughs> <laughs> uh and like now people say like well if you buy the video game you're you hate trans people that's bullshit like that's very selective outrage oh shit like, i didn't realize you were going to be the one to get canceled i know right but no i, I do call bullshit because you don't want to support that game because you feel it supports um what's her name um jk rowling jk rowling like and then she gets money she already got the money for the game like she already got the royalties and all that stuff if you want to boycott anything that, that might be against your interest then you better not like anything disney anything at&t anything warner brothers and just shut yourself off completely like they all have conservative ties there is literally no media no mass produced piece of media that you can interact with which are all great ways to talk about art by the way yeah um that isn't commodified by one of like four businesses and like you said they're all like disney like disney got like Ooh, slapped on the wrist by DeSantis because they didn't like his don't say gay bill or whatever it was. But like yeah. motherfuckers got him elected too. Like, exactly. like and they might get him up <laughs> and they out. might sit and they will probably work to get him reelected. Probably. Yeah. So like when it comes to separating the art, I think there's extents. Like if JK Rowling says, Hey, I'm putting a new book out that all has evil trans people no you shouldn't buy it obviously well honestly if she puts out a book at all you shouldn't like i i yes. get like yeah, at, I, I do at this that. point if she was like i'm gonna write another harry potter book i i would i would encourage everybody like the fuck i don't care like yes you know, I, I do like, agree with that i think taking away something that a lot of people truly as much as we love x-men there are so many people that Harry Potter changed their life. Oh and my they God. Love it. And it's one of the biggest things. The fact it's that the creator is a piece of garbage. It's got to have any bearing. It's got to be a devastating thing to wrestle with. And, yeah. and, and I understand people who are like, I'm breaking away from Harry Potter. Yeah. It's a justifiable reason to it, break away. But I don't think you, I'm with you. I don't think you should attack the people who are like, I'm not willing to give up on something that like, means this much to me and is written in a nice way like it's not like the story is anti-train you know what i mean it's not like there's like there's like a moral to the story that's still a good moral despite the fact that the writer somehow managed to stumble upon a moral because she doesn't seem to have any others yeah but like like, i don't know this way don't forget that she basically stole half of the ideas from neil gaiman then, then there's that I mean, books she, of magic that's harry potter yeah that's a very good point so yeah. you know what you're supporting neil game and he seems like a pretty decent dude he seems like a cool dude he likes yeah. libraries exactly cool. there you go people who like libraries tend to be pretty cool so speaking of sjw's we got a complaint about she hulk right now hell yeah we do that piece that show is such a piece of comedic genius yes 100 percent um is made to piss off every YouTuber that makes 25 articles a day about Brie Larson. Uh, and I love it. I like it, it doesn't it. hold back on its writing. It doesn't like the stuff that people go like, Oh, that's a little on the nose. Yeah. It's supposed to be. Yeah. That's the fucking. Yeah. Like there's nothing like if you're watching this show and you're like, Ugh, there's no subtlety here. 
and that's upsetting you, then yeah. like you're the person that's being targeted at because yeah, there is no subtlety here. Like there it's what the fuck are we supposed to be subtle about? She's a giant Hulk. Like it's, yeah. it's a comedy. Get you like, I love that we've reached the place in the Marvel universe where we can have serious superhero shit and we can have funny shit that mocks culture in general and comics culture as well like it's like yeah. it's so oh, fucking meta it's their most meta show yet and i love that it is literally it took me a second to even get used to it because there's plenty of comedy sometimes too much comedy in the marvel universe but like this is a legit but sitcom. this is but this isn't an actual exactly like this isn't comedy like we gotta throw in a quip here and there everybody's gotta yeah. have a good zinger like this is like a legitimate fucking sitcom there's a scene where the hulk says Oh, I forgave him for that fight in New York. I was literally a different person back then. Literally. And, yeah. And then the fucking main character, fucking Jen Walters, looks directly at the camera and goes, Hey. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, like that was funny. <laughs> like, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're acknowledging a thing that you can't even watch on Disney Plus because they don't own it. <laughs> yeah. And they'll Until never give to yeah, like they can't. I think it's because of Universal. Like, yeah, Universal owns a lot. They own, well, they owned officially for a long time Namor and the Hulk. Yeah, and to make a single movie with them, they had to pay Universal. But I, I heard next year they lose the rights to the Hulk. Oh, okay. Yeah, but yeah, like no, I'm really liking She Hulk right now, and I bring it up because there was a little Easter egg this week that talks about a man with metal claws fighting in a bar. Specifically in Canada, too, I believe. Yes, in Canada. Again, no subtlety. <laughs> so let's take a minute and let's... Let, who do you think that could be? <laughs> oh, oh, um, a Sasquatch is a legitimate character, yeah. Canadian character. Um, yeah. Sabretooth. Oh, my God. Could be Sabretooth. It could, could be, Sabretooth. be fucking uh, Laura. Could be Laura. <laughs> could be Laura. Could be Laura. That'd be fine. Or, you know, Wolverine. Or it could be a fucking Logan. Well, yeah. look, it could be, could be Logan... Howlett? I was going to say his last name is, is Howlett, right? It's James, James Howlett? Some, it depends on which fucking comic you're reading. <laughs> okay, side, even more side tangent before it gets to the actual books. Isn't it weird when you watch something and they say a word that you've read a hundred times, but they say it differently? Oh, I hate it. I fucking hate it so I hate much. It. I, hate it's, it. I can't remember what it was now. Maybe it was She-Hulk, but like, there's a name of a company that said, and I'm like, have I been saying it wrong the whole time? That's insanity. And like someone else said Namor talking about the new Black Panther movie and said it differently, like Namor. And I'm like, don't do this. That's not the way you say it. I guarantee it's not the way you say it. It's it's a made up name. It's a made up name. Like don't you don't need to put like this like weird pronunciation on it as though it's like <laughs> I know they're basing on Aztec culture, but it, it's, it's not it's not Aztec name. It's Roman spelled backwards. It's fine. Yeah. It's just, it's made up. Stan Lee took the word and flipped it around. And that's how we got the name. Yeah. Speaking but of you, Stan Lee, did you know She-Hulk was the last character he made before he left Marvel? Oh, I didn't know that. That's his last original creation. That literally made out of spite. I was going to, I literally was going to say like that 100% makes sense. Yeah. Because... Well, they had the Hulk show playing on, on ABC, I think. And there was rumors. CBS. CBS. And there were rumors that they were going to try and do a oh, She-Hulk show without paying Marvel. So Stan Lee wanted to get ahead of it and just made She-Hulk and say, hey, if you try and do that, we already have the rights to it. <laughs> and you know what? Good. <laughs> you know what? 
Even better, she's a lawyer. <laughs> Stanley, if there's one thing Stanley is inc- was incredible, if there's two things Stanley was incredible at, making up characters that are fucking ridiculous but somehow work. Yeah. And making sure that no one fucking gets money that he thinks should be his. Yes. When it comes, there's a lot of good about Stanley and a little bit of bad. And you know what? Sometimes the bad is a little understandable, just on a business level. I, 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 we've so, walked uh, dangerous. We've walked dangerously close enough to getting canceled in this episode. I'm, I'm, I'm not talking like, about his kids. All right, they're they're thieves, um, or she is. But uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, elder abuse. Look it up. It's terrible. It, um, it is. But I'm just saying, Steve Ditko especially. <laughs> Oh no! Yes, when we talk about other creators, yes, he got Would, fucked over. Steve Ditko, Jack Kirby, yeah, not get enough credit. The, and that's where, like, he knows how to make sure he gets the money that he thinks only he deserves. Yes, and then people around him telling him, "Yeah, only you deserve it." He's like, yeah. Are you "Sure, Jack's my friend." Yeah, no, he's not. No, he's gonna no go make one. new gods, I guess, or something. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's get to the books this let's week. Do it. We got X-Men Red number three. Now, we're about to talk about these three books. And I I like all three issues. I really like the first two. And I have one major issue with the the last one. But One one major issue. Okay. (laughs) And, um, but all in all, this has been such a great sequel series to S.W.O.R.D. Yeah, it has been. It's been a, it's been low-key one of the best books being published in, in the x-men line right now absolutely yeah and the like, sword was the same way kind of no one really talked about it but like it's such a good good book here's where sword faltered and then i in my personal opinion never righted itself before becoming this book was when whatever that weird marvel tie-in that happened that touched sword the annihilation or whatever it was yeah and it got everything was like oh quit we have to take this real quick detour over here and we're going to do this weird shit and then we're going to come back to the story. Yeah, I'm afraid they might have done that again, but anyway. Yes, at least this one's an X-Men related reason, you know? It is, but damn, did they take like... like what, did, did no one tell uh, Al Ewing that <coughs> Judgment Day was about to happen because, like, <laughs> it does feel abrupt. If like if you're reading this in a separate collection, it makes no sense. You're just like, wait a minute, how do we get here? <laughs> like, truly, we have set up, set up, set up. We're still setting up, and then next thing, boom, Judgment Day. Like, what the yeah. fuck just happened? Anyway, we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get but... there. We'll get there. So, issue three starts out with Cable being resurrected after the last issue, which I honestly don't remember what happened to him last time. Why? It's been four months. So. Uh, Abigail Brand sent the team in to fight some celestial type creatures that she oh, had yes. come down. And she wanted and to one steal of those organic virus. Yeah. And then it killed him. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So he's been resurrected. He's back and he sees Thunderbird and he's like, oh shit, he wants to fight. And he's like, yeah, I want to fight. Let's go somewhere and fight. And they go and he's like, hey, we're good. He's like, no, we're not good. I don't like you, but we're here because we have to talk in private everyone thinks we're leaving the fight and there's manifold waiting also saying hey brand is up to something well Which- first manifold goes y'all done measuring your dicks yet can we fucking move on <laughs> <laughs> which uh, manifold's another character who just 
like raised really high up in my caring level. Like yeah. he was great in the Hickman Avengers run, but like he's really just coming to his own. Especially yeah, with Al Ewing, yeah, because at this within store too, yeah, yeah. So they're they know something's up, and I that's why I love this book. There's like four different factions going on in this book, and it makes it so compelling. It really does, and it like I love it because it's. In any other superhero book, it would be one, maybe two dimensional in like, then it would like make everyone look stupid. Like you really couldn't figure out what Abigail was up to. Like it seemed very transparent to me as a reader, but like, I like this because it's like, everyone is like, it's very Shakespearean. Everyone is plotting. Everyone is almost even Game of Thrones. Like where it's like, oh, we've, we flipped the script and the brotherhood are the good guys working for the community. And the X-Men are kind of false flaggers. Yeah. They're doing this. And then you have a subgroup of people who actually are from this community that don't like any of these people. And they have another group of people who don't like any of the X-Men because they don't trust her right now. <laughs> and now imagine you have all of these plot <laughs> things going on. And then you're just like, all right, let's literally blow the, it all up. Let's just pump the brakes real hard and take just a sh- fucking just straight left. Don't yeah. <laughs> So we have a big announcement. It is Vulcan versus Tarn, a special challenge, which leads Storm to go, what are you doing, Brand? Why are you doing this right now? Oh, no big deal. And you know, I love that Storm is basically like, uh, okay, I've, I've turned a blind eye to what is clearly you fucking plotting <laughs> something, but now you're putting somebody's life at risk. What the fuck are you doing? I'll cut out this part. That's fine. Um, so I just find, yeah, I find that great that, like you said before, none of these characters are stupid. Exactly. Only the characters that should be semi easy to manipulate are manipulated. And everyone else is just kind of doing their thing, kind of watching from afar and choosing when to interact, especially Storm, especially next issue. So Storm is kind of like, all right, play your games. It's like, yes, because, you know, maybe someone else can be on the council. Maybe someone, and this is Abigail talking, maybe someone who kills the most hated mutant on this planet might be celebrated, might be considered a god, a king. You know, someone has to be that. Yeah. And in the one of the parts I remember from the top secret document is that Storm, that Brand thought she was going to get Queen of Wakanda Storm, but instead she got Queen of the Morlocks. Yeah. That's more dangerous. Yeah. And I was like, hell yeah, that's more dangerous. So then we have Storm talking with, I, I guess, the X-Men, in the, or sorry, the Brotherhood. Exactly. And yeah. saying, hey, Magneto, you should do this. And it's like, listen, first of all, you sound like Xavier. You're, you think you know what's best. And she does too. Because, and, and, and not only just because she thinks she knows what's best, here's where I think she sounds the most like Xavier. She is saying, this person needs to die but I can't, I can't put that blood on my hands. Mm. Eric, you agree this person has to die. Why don't you do it? Like, that is 100% Eric thinking. I'm being like, I want to, or not Eric, uh, Xavier, being like, that person needs to die. But, oh, God, to do it myself would just be like, oh, w- would, you, would you please help? Thank you. Well, I, I think the situation is different because she's already beaten him. It won't mean anything if she beats him again. But she specific she specifically says like she didn't kill him because killing him would devalue her. Oh, uh, okay, yeah, that's what you mean. Yeah, 
but at all the while is saying that but somebody should kill him yeah, someone and like you know you have a history of killing and I then mean, you're not valued just one time you've already your hands are already pretty bloody all right i got a whole trade by colin bunn of you just killing humans all over the country it's great uh <laughs> so but then sunspot kind of puts his two cents and he's like i don't believe you headmaster uh i think you're full of it and i think you can do this and you should he's kind of just like you don't know shit about me kid all right i got my he, own things going on yeah and he has and we don't have to get into all the details but he like he gives this moving fucking speech about why he doesn't want to do this like why yeah. he's just like i want to be done i want to be i just want to live out my life and storm and somebody he considers like a student of his a, a, a child of his are basically saying yeah but you have to do this and it's like this he you the art is so great and just al ewing's storytelling really of him art, being yeah. like here are all the reasons emotional reasons i don't want to do this but i'm also realizing because of my children basically i still do have something i i want to fight for he's a these are still king. my children yeah he's a reluctant king yeah i love it i fucking love it yeah it's kind of like this weird tragedy like even though he literally shakespeare to another planet yeah he went to another planet to get away from all this shit he's still the number one pick to deal with all this shit so good so now we're in the battle arena where it's tarn versus vulcan vulcan's a little confident he's like i can steal energy powers too and i think someone even chanted like a power thief fight or something like that like it's a fair fight and um, it doesn't exactly go the way Vulcan thought it would. Um, after a little bit of a struggle, Tarn wraps his tentacle around his uh, Vulcan's arm and just breaks his wrist and then continues to beat the shit out of him and kind of mocks like, oh, so you were a king of the bird people. Whoop-de-doo. And no, wait, like, oh, you never died? Yeah, oh. he's, he, he, he's mocking the bird people as he breaks his wrists because of their hollow bones. Yeah. Like, like that was so like oh he's like king of the bird people snap in their hollow bones oh my god so brutal and they did mention previously storm mentions like since i tricked him and beat him he's been more brutal he doesn't take chances anymore yeah. he just goes for the kill yeah so he i'm i mean i guess yeah he does kill vulcan right oh yeah he fucking straight up kills him yeah he straight up kills vulcan and abigail's like well crap my whole plan's ruined oh there is one more challenger magneto rocking up here and this is where we get to my favorite part of this book that i already really like so fucking it is a conversation between iska the unbeaten and sunspot where he's talking to her about her powers and says all right i'll make you a bet and as magneto is coming down uh i bet you that tarn is gonna win and then she snaps punches him snaps his neck you don't realize what he did. I, I can't lose. I can't lose. And in that moment, Magneto just takes his helmet with his magnetic powers, puts it on Tarn's head, and it's like, well, it blocks powers. Well, telepathic powers. But telepathic yeah. powers. So you can't use your powers on me. He drops on his head and then crushes his helmet on Tarn's head. Holy shit. <laughs> and Tarn is dead. And he says, Magneto sits in the seat of loss. Yep. So fucking, so fucking poetic. 
And so, um, it took me a second. Do you want to explain the whole Iska thing? Because you actually explained it to me because I was a little confused. Oh, yeah, yeah. So she can't lose. So when he bets her that Tarn will win, by default, the only other bet is Magneto will win. Yeah. And so since she can't lose, that's the only bet she can have. So boom, Magneto would win. No matter what happens or the outcome is in this moment. Magneto's but here, <laughs> like my personal thoughts, though, and maybe this is just me being biased toward Magneto. Mm. My personal thoughts are she didn't actually make the bet. So like, like he initiated like I, the bet, I think. I know. But like. I would. I see where an argument could be made that like just by just by process of how of fate of how it, of how things must be now. Like, that's what would happen. But, like, I feel like what happened was Roberto put that in motion, not because of her mutant powers, but just the suggestion of it. So, like, she freaked out, which caused a commotion, which caused Tarn to lose focus for just enough of a second for Magneto to put put the helmet on his head. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, I, I think it... I think I think some people are going to think it's only because of the bet because of her mutant power. But I think it's because of just Roberto and his fucking mind games. It could be. Absolutely. And I love that he seemed like we'll get to the next issue. But like, it seems that like he's cool with this. Like he knew what the possible outcome could be. Oh, he 100 percent knew he was going to die. Yeah. But he knew it was worth it to try and give a little bit of a boost to Magneto because he understands what needs to be done. Yeah. So I immediately gave that issue five X's. Five X's. I mean, Roberto, and if if you have a book in which Roberto da Costa sacrifices himself for the greater good, but does it in such an incredibly selfish Roberto da Costa way, like that's so, it's perfect. Yeah. He did the most selfless thing in the most selfish way <laughs> for the greater good somehow. <laughs> I fucking love him. He's so good. I love when a writer understands him. And also, I want to take a second. Who's the artist? What's the artist's name? Well, look that up because I want to I want to uh Stefano Calisi? Yeah. That's it. Calisi, yeah. Calisi. either way they and the colorist the art team is making roberto dark-skinned and yes that is awesome because it's sometimes it goes a little light depending on the editor's interests yes yeah but like roberto da costa from like his original like introduction is very dark-skinned yeah and so next issue uh, oh, how many X's did you get? You get five? Five. I get five X's. Nice. Uh, X-Men Red issue four. Let's so you know what? Yeah. Six X's, one X for keeping Roberto black. <laughs> Agreed. How about, how about six X's. <laughs> six X's. Um, so next issue is going to be a little bit of a different review because there's three main stories happening in and out. So I want to cover the stories individually. Okay. And you can give me a hand with this because it's been a minute since I read this issue particularly. Okay. All right. So, I'll, I'll- the first story we'll we'll start with is Magneto sitting on the council. Okay. Now, basically, the council 
feels like he doesn't deserve this spot, especially Iska, who I start to hate eventually, <laughs> especially next issue. Um, but the councils kind of gives him a little bit of a speech about their ways compared to what he's used to and how he has to prove what he's willing to sacrifice. You know, you mutants on Krakoa have your resurrection protocol and you have all these special fancy things like you don't really understand loss you don't deserve that seat yeah is kind of what i got from that conversation yep so magneto being him it's like he was already ready for this conversation to happen in the first place and he's like here's a little ball this has everything you need to resurrect me and storm i think it was just him and storm right yes and here's the little ball i have and here's me destroying it that is our backup it's gone we're 100% committed to this circle to actually sacrifice ourselves if we have to, because this is your way, and we're going to stay true to that. Which seemingly, like, also pissed off Iska. Yeah. Like, she thought she'd have a point and prove to everyone that, like, they're not really like us. And then, like, he continuously proves how he's just like them when he needs to be. And see, and this is, and this is where I started really, like, thinking to myself, Iska is 100% convinced that Magneto only sits here because of her mutant power, that he didn't actually earn anything. Mm. And I think others might be, and I, and it, the fact that others kind of seem accepting of him makes me feel like they are like, um, sure, whatever. He won in battle. Tarn sucked. Do we don't really know if it was you or him it's fine and like she's the only one because of her own pride she's upset yeah and it, it was just hilarious of like because in that moment from where i was when i read that book i was like isn't there a book called judgment day coming up <laughs> where people are probably gonna die <laughs> this is a bad time to turn off the resurrection but then i also had the thought of there's still the waiting room. Like, there's still a workaround. Yeah, there's always a workaround, man. Yeah, like, the, the waiting room is literally there in case something happens to the backup. So, like, there is a way to come back. Like, I do understand Magneto's also viewpoint of, like, I've lived a long time already. Like, I don't necessarily want to come back. Like, sometimes things need to fucking end. And I get it, you know? Yeah. So, the next story we have is about Roberto being resurrected. And it was really it kind of just caught me off guard and i really liked it because he's resurrected and sees rock slide and they had a relationship but this is a different rock slide this is the one that died in um in what was it again other world other world he died in other world so when he's resurrected he comes back as an amalgamation of multiverse rock slide so he is not the same person that he was and it's kind of just a nice heart to heart between those two characters and he's basically by the end of it, just like, do you want to come back with me? Like, you don't really have a place here. and People here don't know you. But like, if you want start something new and come back with me, then yeah, let's see what that's like, how that works for you. And uh, there was something about he said that when he dies, he wants to be brought. He doesn't want to be brought back. Like He wants to be sent back to other world. No, he wants to when when it's his time to die, he wants to die in other world so that when they resurrect him, it will be a new yeah a new version that can experience all of this he doesn't want to be selfish and just have that for himself that was really nice that was incredibly touching and just kind of like a wild parallel to magneto's like you were saying his speech about like basically 
a life that is lived once has more meaning than a life that is constantly lived. You know what I mean? Like life has meaning because it ends. And it's a nice parallel to the third story in this book about Storm. And it, it this whole thing leading up to Judgment Day has been a lot of different characters talking about what it means to die, what it means to live, who deserves to have that right to come back. Mm-hmm. And that debate starts up in this issue, too. Because Black Panther and Storm have been called over, well, technically, Black Panther, I think, is like a hologram. And yeah, talking he was to Storm, called, but God forbid he comes in person. Yeah. And he literally tells Storm, like, hey, you never told me about this resurrection protocol. Like, what the fuck? And she's kind of like, you never told me about the Galactus protocol, which happened And she's in his also book. like, oh, wait, the spy you had follow me around didn't tell you about it? Like, yeah. Like, I don't owe you shit. We're not married anymore. I'm not queen of Wakanda anymore. You have your secrets. I have mine. Go fuck yourself, essentially. And like, yeah, I'm here for that. Yeah. She doesn't owe you shit. Don't fuck with Storm. So she's been called by a galactic council to talk about the queen of uh, the Shi'ar, which we talked about when she died. She was killed in the Marauders book. And there were like, there was a psychic wave that came out when she died and i was alerted and we want to tell you that xavier's daughter is dead and they're talking about the resurrection protocol and how that works because she is a mutant and they're talking about is it allowed should it be allowed for uh what was her name again zandra zandra should she be allowed to come back is it their right the nova core uh nova prime he talks about how he was resurrected but people didn't not everyone was okay with that and but how he, Xandar was resurrected and like he, is it- yeah he wrecked he wrecked he brought back like a whole fucking planet worth of people only for them to die again he yeah, said. exactly and like yeah. he's been resurrected in the comics like twice he's and- i think he's currently resurrected i thought he yeah was- and then you have other aliens being like you know do you have the right to like what happens if she's dead is she going to be king uh, queen forever which is a fair question it is where does that end yeah like you have a forever queen that's not right i think yeah but she's dead you guys want to fight over her what she has left over basically yeah (laughs) so it is a really layered debate of like should you bring back a queen and does she have the right to still be queen but you're only asking these questions because you want what she left behind (laughs) more or less yeah more or less and i love this whole conversation because the end of it all storm's like oh we already brought her back you think that psychic wave was for you and not her father the most powerful psychic in the universe (laughs) yeah yeah she's a mutant we're mutants we did what we do and storm straight up was like i appreciate you calling this council that was very nice of you i only came here to let you know that it's done and uh, i'll talk to you later and they're like wait you didn't ask permission she's like we don't ask permission for shit like i i flipped out I was, happy, I was so happy because, like, I came here as a courtesy just to give you a heads up. She's coming back soon. Not for you to have a debate about is she allowed to. She's a mutant, so she's fucking allowed to. But again, there is a valid question about, like, well, when are you going to stop being queen then? Yeah. We have to make new rules then. If you are allowed to resurrect any time, like, and especially the way it works with, like, you can resurrect any way you want to, what age you want, what power you want. You know, like that is dangerous for someone who's a queen. I know, but here's the thing. I think Storm understands that question 
And I think she understands that argument. Her response to it is mutant kind does not need your permission to live or to thrive. Understand that. And perhaps our miracles will surprise you less. Good day. Like she's just straight up saying like, yeah, we are going to do this. We're, we're inheriting everything. Like we're the next ones taking over. We've been under the boot long enough and now we're here. But again, like we mentioned in the first uh, issue of judgment day, a lot of the themes are arrogance from all sides. And you can interpret storm being a little arrogant right now you know i will defend storm until the day i die but yeah she is being arrogant. i think she's being arrogant with with i'll do like i think she's right yeah i would be just as arrogant if i were in her shoes and i didn't realize that judgment day was coming <laughs> like i think the political polite and political way to do it would have been like hey, yes, let's have a debate about does she have a right to still be queen? Let's talk about how she died. Can that change the aspect of the ruling? Blah, blah, blah. Instead, she's like, hey, guys, letting you know she's coming back soon. Peace. Yeah. And to let the debate happen and then be like, oh, well, I'm glad you feel that way because it's done already. (laughs) It's already done. You guys had a really fun, nice debate just now, but um, it's already done. Yeah. Like, that's it. And it's like, oh, shit. You kind of just disrespected a galactic council. Yeah. <laughs> like, and because she can, because she's the fucking queen of their solar system. Remember? She's like the spokesperson for the yeah. solar system, according to the mutants, who have basically just said, we own the solar system. Which then comes like a whole nother debate of like, well, would the other planets want to fuck with you? Because they know how powerful Earth in general is with all their superheroes. Like, if Galactus can't eat the planet, you probably can't attack it randomly. So it's, oh. it's, it's crazy. So I gave that one four X's. I did. I, I think I did five as well. I can give five. Yeah, I can give five X's. Just for the beauty of that conversation between Rockslide and Roberto. It, it, can't, it can't be another six Xer, though, because I did notice that Roberto's skin was slightly lighter in this issue than it was, oh, was in it? the other <laughs> issue. But it was still dark. It was still, I just want, I do want to point out that it was still. He was still clearly not a white person. At least on the cover, he's pitch dark. <laughs> well, he yes. Well, he's yeah. He's in sunspot form. So for all the praise we are giving this book, it's time for issue five. Josh, take it away. All right. So that's where we left off in X-Men Red. But you see, there's <laughs> another thing happening called Judgment Day. And where we left off there was... Would you would you say he was Thanos's granddad or grandfather? I think yeah. grandfather, grand Thanos's father. I don't know which one. Um, anyways, an older, seemingly more powerful Thanos. How about that? I can't because yeah. I, I can't see his name right now, so I can't That's remember fine. who it is. Um the only thing that keeps popping in my head is Uranus, but I know that's not right. It's like close to that though, right? I think I know, but like I can't see where the letters are, so I don't know. <laughs> anyway. People don't need to know about how my brain works. Um, So that that homie went to Mars or Araco now and wiped it all out within an hour. And that's how our other book ended. Oh, well, Araco is also the main planet where this these X-Men Red books take place. You know, cover that <laughs> where where all this stuff has been happening and all these stories have been building to. So now 
we open this one up judgment day tie-in councils pulled together everyone's like just seemingly getting along right now no tension everyone is just on the same page nightcrawler comes bamfing in uh destiny's had a vision cable's like hey man i got some schematics here these eternals they're gonna kill us i guess we got to be prepared if they're gonna strike on krakoa they're gonna strike here at the same time uh oh shit what's that oh no this big bad guy's coming down just all of this is happening in what 15 minutes <laughs> and so well, i do love the countdown clock they have going yeah. on for everything it was clever. so like all of that was like the 15 minutes before thanos's grandfather came down and then he descends upon them and immediately your your girl iska the unbeaten because she can't lose immediately chops off the head of their fucking destiny character yeah <laughs> and is like hey guys guess what i'm here to kill you all now yeah and i gotta so, be on the winning team which is like kind of a counterproductive person to have on the council yeah. like on paper you go oh that's a good person having the council but then you go but they always betray the team yeah. if you're gonna lose then they are gonna be like it's i i if iska is ever beaten I want somebody to study her genes. I want to know how this weird power of hers works. I well, want... It's kind of like um like domino. domino. Yeah. Like I, how does it, Domino's luck power work? It's it's so big. intriguing. It's so intriguing to me. Um, anyway, so Nightcrawler's like, oh fuck, I'll get her out of here. Uh the rest of the council is like, oh shit, let's fight this big bad guy. And so we start the one hour countdown. Here's where I'm like, oh, this feels a little cheap now. Like, I I was led to believe in the Judgment Day that he himself... Yes, I did have... <laughs> in one hour was so powerful that he himself walked across this great planet and destroyed everything in, in 60 Earth minutes. Which, by the way, did he have 60 Earth minutes or did he have 60 Mars minutes? We need to discuss that, too. Is there a difference? Um, because it could have been a lot of time travel. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Um, so what happens is instead, all of these warships and spider-like drone things start descending from the sky. Yeah, they give he, him a little bit of a, a boost. He he's got his own armada, basically. Yeah. And they and it starts attacking all the other parts of, of the planet while he's still fighting the council. Uh None other than than David. Um, oh fuck! What the hell is his goddamn Howler? David Howler Legion comes flying in, and finally we're like, oh, an Omega level mutant is here. Surely he can stop this. Well, within less than a couple minutes, um, Thanos's grandfather comes back with uh, not David, so he's dead now. Which, okay, uh, that was the first cop-out of this issue. Yeah. Because I was looking at that going, oh, shit, what's David going to do against this guy? How I, I kept thinking in my head, like, oh, how is this guy going to beat him in so fast? What's going to happen? Uh, don't worry about it. Off screen. Like, wait, 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 wait. No. That's it, the kind of thing you put in the main book, and then the off screen part is this book. <laughs> yeah. Not so just maybe, like we never find out. Yeah. I don't know. It, it it I agree. It doesn't bother me that much, but I agree with you though. 
for some reason uh, it bothered me a lot. That's like, I don't know why, but that's like fair. That's fair. I'm not it's saying like, it's I'm not saying it's a I, I don't disagree with you, yeah, but yeah. I'm I'm just mad. I'm already upset with just the hard left turn that this is like whatever. Like just that like all of these characters just magically appeared in the council together. We were just given 15 minutes. Like we had all these other fucking stories going on. And now we're like, all right, never mind. We're not doing that anymore. Hard jump to this story, which even feels like, did we skip like a week? Did we jump ahead a week? Last time we saw everyone, they were all separate. So like, how do we jump here? And then, yeah, (laughs) good. No, good. So like after fighting David for presumably this epic battle that must have just happened in space, then like if that happened, if you saw knowing how powerful Legion is, and then watch, see how powerful this guy is already. And then seeing this guy come back down to the planet to keep fighting and Legion's not there. Would your instinct be, all right, I need to throw some metal at this guy. 30 minutes. Sorry, I was just doing the. He was gone for just under 30 minutes fighting yeah. David. Yeah. What the fuck happened? <laughs> like, Yeah, now I'm upset. You have to give me a good reason why the guy who can manipulate reality and literally destroy reality if he was out of control couldn't beat this guy but yet david can't beat him it takes this guy 30 minutes to beat david why did and then if you're going to establish that then why give him this armada that feels cheap yes like just make it so that he's like "Mm, boom you're all dead i don't know it's a fucking comic book like treat it like dragon ball z he throws a big energy beam out of his hand and everything blows up like sure like you know like what the fuck like or catch Especially if you're gonna have him fight David, he should like catch him off guard or something, you know? Yeah, no, David comes to him fully prepared to defend this place that he's trying to protect already. And loses and, and loses again, in 30-ish minutes. <laughs> you just see my needle like I need metal. It's like Someone I don't think metal. metal's gonna help. <laughs> like, <laughs> and like, that shouldn't and, do anything to him. He just beat Legion. <laughs> and you're right, it doesn't help. And so he quickly breaks through all this metal that is shot at him. And then yeah, I would hope so. Rips out Magneto's heart, it appears. Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> and it's been 13 minutes and 23 seconds so far since he's a- appeared. I believe. Yeah. I did um, like this next bit though with cable. And so in the most 90s thing possible. Yeah. Cable manifests uh, one of the largest guns on God's yeah. green earth. Yeah, right, but I guess we're on Mars now. So on Mars is Red Earth. Um, and he just continues to fire at this motherfucker and nothing happens, basically. And then the gun just kind of like overheats and I think he died. I think it like catches on backfires, basically, and kills yeah. Cable. Or like that's what I'm trying to figure out. Like I think yeah, he it seemed like it blasted back at him. Yeah, maybe. And then like the bug, the bug person starts attacking, and he doesn't have a whole lot of success. <laughs> <laughs> Abigail's so, killed by the same gun. <laughs> Abigail's then killed by the gun. Yeah. Fisher um, King's like, I guess I'm not gonna get involved since I have no powers. Fisher King's like, I'm just gonna sit here and wait for death to come find me. Yeah, I allegedly have no power, so I'm just gonna chill. So yeah, 
uh, it takes him about 20 minutes to dispatch with everybody at the council. Uh, and so he's like, all right, well, I killed all these people. I guess I'll just go somewhere else now. And he teleports or steps through some like magic portal looking thing. I'm not really sure what he's doing. I assume that's like that was like at the end of the judgment day when he was counting down. Yeah, but he still has 40 minutes left, so he's going somewhere else. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. All right. It says like so far it's 98% of life is already done. Yeah. Oh, in a, in a 50 mile radius. So you do have yeah, the whole yeah. planet. Yeah, so he's got to go somewhere else. And so after he leaves, um, the bug creature who is made up of a bunch of bugs isn't fully dead yet and is able to like help resuscitate some one of the other council people who wasn't already fully dead. And they go checking on people to see who's still alive. When Magneto pops up with a glowing red chest <laughs> saying, and so the seat of loss takes command because we're at war now or some shit. Which, like, are you keeping yourself a lot? All right, listen, throughout the history of Magneto, we've done some dumb things and said it's magnetism and we kind of just go with it. He flies. Why? Magnetism. He can make Magnet. a force field. Why? Magnetism. He gave himself a magnetic heart. Like I, I have no idea what the fuck is happening. <laughs> and like, on one hand, cool. That's it. That's cool. That's exciting. But like, if you're going to, and here's where I was like, oh my god, they're not even giving a fuck about any of the story that took place previously. Yeah, because like the previous issue was this big fucking thing about how Magneto is sacrificing his ability to be resurrected. They turn around and we're like, ah, oh, we killed him. And we as readers are like, oh no, he just fucking did it. And we know like, obviously that's what, you know what I mean? But like only for by the end of that same issue where he gets his heart ripped out, he's like, oh, by the way, I'm still alive. Whatever this is, see you next time like no come on man it, start the next issue with that yeah so then you can explain what it is because otherwise even, i'm pissed now i'm like what the fuck is this cop-out shit and i even had like a in my opinion a better idea because like, when i was reading it i'm like this could lead to a great moment between scarlet witch and her father being like no scarlet witch of all people bringing back her father into the waiting room and saying the people still need you you're not done yet like that could have been a great moment and it could have been like three pages <laughs> and instead no he's just back because he's angry and use a magnetic force field in his chest so he doesn't bleed out and die i guess but i i'm fairly <laughs> certain let me go look back at the page i'm fairly certain his heart is removed from his body <laughs> uh, also while we're while you're looking through the page uh fans i have i have a request since we're covering three issues of X-Men Red, I request that some of you, well, all of you, tweet at Al Ewing to listen to this episode and say what he thinks. I'd be very intrigued. Since we're covering so much of his work, I would be very intrigued to see, to hear what he thinks, if he gives oh, a shit, what other people he's, think. <laughs> he's going to think we're idiots, is what he's going to think. That's fair, It's true. Yeah. He's going to be like, how do you not know how to pronounce my artist's name? It's Castle. <laughs> We're saying his name wrong, probably. It's a, it's, my name is AI 
<laughs> so all right he just the, hits him in the chest but he makes a point of saying don't lose that heart must be heart rending and like he pulls his hand out of his chest it does like, look like he's holding something it looks like he's holding something right yeah, it does I, yeah. I, I feel like the implication here is not to quote it's always sunny in Philadelphia, but <laughs> I feel the implication here is that he ripped his fucking heart out. Yeah, it's it's a fair implication. It's the implication of danger. Implication. Um. All right. I gave that three X's. Being I, generous. I gave it three X's because, like, as a story, it's in it's it's engaging. Yes, definitely. And it and it like I'm glad we got to see what fucking happened. And the clock was a nice touch. And the clock, like as a story, like Al Ewing told a great story. It's the hard turn. It's like there's other things happening. Yeah. And like there was no there was no connective tissue into this. There was no moment of like, hey, everyone, like, where did cable come from? He wasn't in there. Like everyone was like in the middle of a conversation. And I get. That's a story device, whatever. Storm wasn't there because that's still a, a plot point that she was off planet. So, like, it's not like they were went completely. Like she wasn't there when they needed her BS. So, someone, Iska can probably bring Oh, I hope she doesn't bring it up since she betrayed everyone. But someone in the council can be like, you weren't here when we need you the most kind of thing. You yeah. were back on Kakoa. I think she was up there rubbing it in everybody's faces that they brought Xandra back. Probably. I do wonder if all this could be leading to Xavier, King of Earth, Magneto, King of Mars, and like it all ends with their bloody, stupid feud again. You know what I mean? Like two factions of mutants led by the most obvious people, especially this situation. It's going to look like Magneto's leading the leading the whole planet back to revival and leading his people. I mean, in many ways, Magneto made that planet. To begin yeah, with, quite literally, and he's already experienced losing a whole island of people. <laughs> this is this is the third time he's lost a society of mutants. No one should like. Why do people keep turning to him for leadership? <laughs> that means everyone's gonna get blown up eventually. Like Storm and Roberto, asteroid, like, asteroid M, not yeah. a good idea. Genosa, not a good idea. No, like everyone's like Magneto. We need you most right now. Your people need you. Yeah, well, I'm pretty sure the last time my people needed me, a little thing called genocide happened. So why don't we, uh, why don't we not do that this time? <laughs> All right. So next up, we have by as we said, the great Chris Claremont, the um, issue one of Gambit. I did not. I do actually have this, and then I you told me your um your feelings about it, and I just didn't read it. And I think you can tell me. All right. So every uh, listeners who have listened to more than this episode will know that I am a big fan of Gambit. Um, and I grew up as many people my age and slightly older uh, on the Chris Claremont books. And then the Jim Lee era, which featured heavily Gambit and the X-Men cartoon, which featured heavily Gambit. And Gambit was created by none other than Chris Claremont. And so all these years later, our good friend Chris uh, comes back to his creation. Um, 
so this book takes place then in the like just in the time that gambit was introduced as a character and so this is a, a story set back in time and what was I happening was confused by that is yeah. did gambit go back in time because no, no, no. storm no this is okay so what what is happening at this time in the x-men books um nanny has through means in which i don't recall but nanny has turned storm into a younger version of herself without really any memories okay like because do. because nanny wants to raise children you, you know how she is yeah um and then storm escapes and like She's in this town outside of in Illinois called Cairo, which, ha, because she's from Cairo, yeah. Egypt. Ah. <laughs> um, and so she's just like in Illinois with amnesia and in a kid's body. And Gambit happens to, you know, where else would you expect to run into a Cajun mutant but in uh, Illinois? Yeah. And so um, she runs into him. Because she's on the run from the Shadow King as well. The Shadow King is after her at this time. And she kind of runs into Gambit and they have like this quick exchange in which she helps uh, get her away from Nanny. And like Gambit's like, hmm, you remind me of a real famous mutant named Storm. I'm going to hang around you for a little bit because I think you might be her, but I think she's supposed to be older than you. So I don't know what's happening. It's quite like, tall. <laughs> like literally Gambit is like, this is a famous mutant, <laughs> but she's not this big. <laughs> <laughs> and so Gambit, like the whole premise of Gambit even hanging around is basically to find out why is Storm little? <laughs> like, what happened? What the fuck is going on? But like, again, he didn't, he didn't know Storm either. So like, he doesn't really know. Oh, okay. Like at this time, like this is the first introduction of Gambit at all. And like, he just kind of has heard tale of somebody who kind of has white hair and has controlling the wet. Like, cause the X-Men are kind of famous at this point. You know what I mean? So like, he's like, Hmm, you look a lot like somebody who's older than you, but you have no memory of that. Huh? Okay. (laughs) I guess I'm wrong. I'm going to hang around. And and he also is like, at this time, is like, huh, you're real good at stealing shit. You want to hang out and be my protege? And so, like, there's this, like, montage. Like, in this one issue, no, two issues. There's, like, this montage of where, like, she's basically, she and, and Remy go on this, like, little spree of, like, stealing from people while she's trying to figure out what her next move is against Shadow King and Nanny. And so this mini series takes place in there and it's like fle- it's fleshing out when he and baby storm were like a, a Robin hood duo basically. Mm. And so it starts with a uh, Remy basically seeing what Aurora can do and like has her, has her pickpocketing people and then putting the things back in their pockets. And then he has her break into a, uh, uh, the, some guy fucking spy. I don't know. Some guy who's doing some no good business. Some rich guy. This is one of the most generic plots ever created. This <laughs> he's he's doing some like fucking espionage training things with her and being like, 
hey, Sherry, you got to go break into this fucking house now. It's got all this fucking alarm system. Why don't you go tell me? I, I want to see how good you are. Go break into the house. And so Storm breaks into this house, shimmies down a chimney, remembers she's claustrophobic, gets out, fucking uses her powers, which she's still learning how to use because she's basically the body of a teenager now. And she breaks into this house. And when she gets in, well, wouldn't you fucking know it? Remy's already in there cleaning out the safe. She's like, well, if you could get in here this whole time, why don't you just get in here? He's like, I told you, I just wanted to see what you can do. I, I just want, I'm just testing you out. And it's so fucking stupid. And so then they have this like dialogue where she talks about the shadow King and basically gives some of the um, background that I just gave. Um, and she, keep slipping in and out of talking in Arabic and talking in English because this is like storm in her childhood. Um, and so at one point, Chris Claire, I mean, Remy um, is telling her that, Hey, you're, I can't keep, I, I, I just speak English. Just, just tell me in English. You, you gotta, you know, one thing you don't want to do as a thief is stand out. So why don't you just stick to English here? It's like, motherfucker, you speak. Every other word you say is a fucking French word. <laughs> That's insanity from out all people. What the fuck kind of Chris Claremont bullshit is this? And that's where I'm like, what are you going backwards for? You're the one who made Storm this African. Fu- you made Storm. This is your character. She speaks Arabic because you made her. <laughs> And now you have some motherfucker that you also made who speaks basically Creole to tell her to speak fucking English. Like, what the fuck is happening? That's pretty insane. It's insane. And so she goes on about the fucking Shadow King. There's some stuff happening in the background that kind of ties into some other X-Force stories happening around this time with the Shadow King. This will be the one and only issue we cover on this podcast, so it doesn't matter. I actually legit feel bad because I know how much you love Claremont and Gambit, and you have zero interest in talking about this. <laughs> I, I don't. I will. I spoiler alert. I think I will keep reading it because of the two things you just said. The writing isn't good though. The writing is very ham fisted, and and like very. It's obviously dialogue heavy, but it's it reminds me how far we've come in comic book telling. Because, like, he's relying so heavily on legitimate thought balloons. We don't use thought balloons anymore. You know, like, we just, that concept alone, we just have, like, those little, what used to be narration boxes, but now, predominantly, it's, like, first-person narration. You know what I mean? So, like, it's just that kind of, it it definitely has a nostalgic feel to it. Yeah, because the art is very 90s. Yeah, and the art is very 90s, but, like, Chris Claremont, whatever that Sorry for not speaking English. Whatever that je ne sais quoi is that he used to have, <laughs> um, he's lost it. And so, like, this entire plot might have been good before. Like, in like the story, he might have been able to tell this story better. He's not doing a great job now. And well, so- I think it's just like any media. Like, for example, if you go back and watch a bunch of action movies from the early '90s. And then someone comes today and makes a very similar movie. You're exactly it comes right. off cheesy. You're exactly right. This is this is 100. If Chris Claremont was given a, a TV show to make today, 
but he was famous for making TV shows in like the late eighties and nineties. And he, and he came and he just did that same thing. And Only we would all one like, man has broken that curse. And his name is George Miller. Cause he made Mad Max. And then he made Fury Road, which is a totally different movie and epic and grand and all this he, beautiful shit. But he did. But see, that's the thing though. He, he didn't just make, he, he modernized. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. That's the thing. He broke the yeah, curse. Yeah. Like he modernized he, it. Yeah. 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 I see what you're saying. Yeah. So Gambit and, and Storm are fucking just walking through the city, having this talk about Shadow King when they stumble upon a group of teenage girls robbing this guy and Storm goes and saves this guy. But it turns out that they were all part of some clan that oh fuck what's her name some very 90s character who i can't remember now some 90s gambit character whose name is escaping me right now she's all she's part of like the assassins guild oh is it belladonna no that's his that's his wife okay like before so i'm gonna ask you a question because you're such a claremont fan who do you think is the best x-men writer who's not claremont Oh man, I just thought that question. I, I thought I'm gonna jump in this. In this I, uh, I'm just gonna here. go ahead and tell you this. This book is just setting up a, a mini series of. Um, there's a bounty hunt. There's a like literally all of this leads to. There's a bounty on Lila Lila Cheney, you know the musician and yeah, she lost the election already. She didn't get the prize. No, no, not not Liz Cheney. Lila. Oh, okay. Um, she's uh, the pop star in the Shi'ar Empire, basically. There's a bounty on her head, and in the photo, she's standing with Gambit, and so this bounty hunter's like, oh, I know Gambit. I'll go to him, and then that'll get me to Lila. So this is all setting up some incredibly other different story. (laughs) Two X's. (laughs) Who is my favorite non-Claremont writer? Um... I honestly, I think I would really need to think about that. Right. Like I, I, I would really put a pin to, in it. Yeah, I would like I would really need to kind of like go back and think about some of the the different series. Like Grant Morrison comes to mind. That's what I think of right away. Yeah, like my just instinct, I go like, oh yeah, probably Morrison. But like some people give him credit for saving the X Men. Yeah, and I do too. And, and I don't necessarily know if like he's my favorite in terms of like. The way Claremont was my favorite in 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 far as drama and though not to take anything away from the drama he brought in. Yeah. Um, but in that sense of like, oh wow, he fucking changed this shit. Like this shit is different and it's new for the first time basically since like 1993. So I know I'll get heat for this, but that's fine. Because I feel like it depends what kind of X-Men you're talking about. There's the superhero book X-Men and there's the almost sci-fi book of X-Men. And when it comes to someone who could balance out the two, the best, Claremont. The drama, the kind of sci-fi oh, nature of it. he could do it all. He did the and sci-fi. He did the drama. He did the weird f- fantasy magic shit. Like- yeah. Now, again, this is where I'll get heat for it. <clears throat> I think the last person to do the superhero side of it with a little hint of drama and sci-fi best is either fact uh, matt fraction or josh whedon astonishing x-men is really good 
Yeah. As much as he's a piece of crap right now, Astonishing X-Men, those two big trades or three trades, fantastic. Yeah. And that was a superhero story. In comparison, Morrison was like a sci-fi story. Yes, Morrison was definitely a sci-fi. Yeah. And like Matt Fraction was a little bit of both. And Ed Brubaker, I think, was more sci-fi-ish. Ed Brubaker was sci-fi-ish, I think, too. Like Bendez was more, I think, in the superhero area. Bendez had his moments, though. I did. There were moments that I liked with Bendez. Oh, I no, think for sure. I, I just don't think he wrote Uncanny. I don't. I really don't believe he wrote Uncanny. And I would say, and, I, and that's the one that I liked. So yeah. whoever wrote that one, then. <laughs> like, I refuse to believe he wrote. I've already heard enough rumors of him having ghostwriters. Like, yeah. I even know, I personally know about artists who have ghost artists, which is yeah. weird. So, yeah. That's my last, that's my question of the episode for some random reason. I just thought, all of. right, so we'll, I'll, I'll try to, well, I'll, I'll think about that. I got some time on my hands. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a dig, I'm a dig through my old comic boxes and, and whatnot. And then, and we'll, we'll answer, we'll both answer. We'll both answer this like actually next episode. Like yes. who is our favorite non Claremont writer? Like um, not yeah. like who is our favorite superhero version or fa- yeah. like just, this name is this name is like yes uh, so many of my favorites all right sounds good all right right. so guys next episode we will be covering immortal x-men number five judgment day number two death of the mutants number one and x-men number 13 i believe it was yes Yes. so until then guys josh where can they find you what's fabian what was fabian what starts with an n oh fuck he wrote a lot of X-Men in the 90s and he and he, he made he made Deadpool, right? Or co-made. Co-made, yeah. Um Fabian <sighs> nah. uh, anyway, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. He's coming to mind and Scott Lobdell is starting to come to mind. So these are just like hints that I got like Scott has ups and downs in all his writing. Like he has some really good stuff. And this is 1000% like, Gen X. Okay, yeah, Gen X, yes. Okay. That that's that's fair. Uh, I, okay. I'm just thinking like I immediately think of his Teen Titans run in New 52 and like it gave me. So oh, no, that, that, that was awful. That was awful. God awful. <laughs> I remember that. It was horrible. Um, you can find me on Twitter at X and it's librarian with an X. <laughs> and we covered it earlier, but why don't you remind the people where they can find you? You can find me at Madman 3005. And don't forget your homework assignment for today. It is not to harass, just a nice little tweet to the writer of X-Men Red, Al Ewing and say hey listen to this episode what do you think are you are you speaking about you and are you reading his ant-man miniseries i've been wanting to did i already start Mm -hmm. i think so or maybe i don't know but i I, very very rarely disappoints i didn't love his avengers weekly run but also it's a weekly book it's it's hard to it's fucking weekly yeah it's hard but like i never finished it but i do want to finish his hulk run his hulk run is absolutely insane like it's incredible that's what i hear yeah no i definitely want to his x-men shit is still all i've really read and i still want to go and check out more yeah he has some Mar- some dc stuff too it's just really good he had to me like you know how much i love green lantern and i really feel his green lantern run after jeff johns is the best one since wow even though it wasn't that long it was really really good that's pretty so, cool yeah anyway guys thank you so much for listening to us rambling we love it And we will see you next time.